Welcome to New York. This is, is the Devil's Devil State, State of Mind podcast, podcast, brought to you brought by to you the Hockey, Hockey Podcast, podcast Network. Network. Now here's now your host, host, Neil Villapiano! Boy, what a game that was last night, eh, Devils fans? But a pleasant what's going on, everybody. It is, as always, your host, your best friend, your confidant, your number one source, Neil Villapiano. And we welcome you to another edition of the Devil's State of Mind podcast right here on the Hockey Podcast Network, as well as Sportswire Radio, the best place to get everything you need to know about your winners of four of their last five New Jersey Devils. And as always, guys, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to check these episodes out. Really do appreciate it. If you're here on YouTube, make sure to leave a like, subscribe, and hit the notification bell so you get notified every time a new episode comes out. Also, make sure to go check us out wherever you listen to podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google, all of those. And if you happen to be on Apple or Spotify, do me a favor and drop a five-star rating. Really, really does help out the podcast tremendously. As always, shout out to our wonderful sponsors here. We got, of course, SeatGeek. Use promo code DEVILSTATEOFMIND to get $20 off your first purchase. We also got DraftKings Sportsbook. And now with, again, you got so many different games in the NHL. The NFL, we're getting into the nitty-gritty here as we make that late playoff push. And you also got college football. And this month is particularly big because you have bowl games. So you have a lot of really fun, interesting matchups. And we just had John from CFP Talk Daily on our last episode talking a little bit about some really, really big bowl games, including the college football playoff. So with all that going on and more, you already know that DraftKings Sportsbook is your number one destination to get in on all of the huge cash prizes. So when you sign up for DraftKings, make sure to use our promo code THPN. And also shout out to Horn to Tail Napa Valley, the official wine club of the New Jersey Devils and the official wine sponsor of the Devil State of Mind podcast. And use my promo code Devil State to get 10% off your orders. Some really tremendous tasting wines with also custom Devils, you know, bottles as well. They are the perfect gift for the Devils fan in your life. So I highly recommend you go get yourself a bottle and get maybe a loved one or a friend or whoever one as well by using promo code Devil State to get 10% off your orders. So shout out as always to all of our sponsors. And really quickly here before we bring on our very special guest for this episode, I wanted to quickly shout out a good friend of mine. Her name is Meg Sutter. She is a Rangers fan who lives in Tennessee. She's been sending me several really awesome fan mail, you know, gifts. And I just got this one. Uh, it is a Devil's State of Mind Christmas ornament. This is absolutely phenomenal that she actually sent this to me. She also got uh, made me a Devil's logo one as well, so I'm really excited to put these both on uh, the tree. She also wrote on the back of the Devil's State of Mind one, Neil, hope you have an amazing Christmas. Thank you so much, Megan, again, for the lovely gifts, and this one in particular is absolutely phenomenal. Really do appreciate it. See, it matches my sweatshirt, guys. How cool is that? But I just wanted to quickly uh, shout her out. But 
Devils fans, we have a very special guest joining us. It is This has been a long time coming, and I'm so excited to have him on. We were actually planning on doing a live watch-along on the Hockey Podcast Network YouTube channel for uh, Saturday afternoon's game when the Devils are in Calgary against the Calgary Flames. But unfortunately for both of us, due to you know other circumstances, we will not be able to do that game. But he brought up the great idea to come on the podcast Talk a little bit about the Devils. Also talk about the Flames because Devils and Flames have a lot of connections, not just from the offseason, but potentially what could happen down the road with the trade deadline. So it is with great pleasure that we welcome on the manager of the Hockey Podcast Network, big-time Calgary Flames fan, Mr. Kyle Manifold. Kyle, welcome. for your first, I think this is your first time on the Devil's State of Mind podcast. How are you doing today, my friend? good it's been uh it's been a while i feel like we've this is uh it's been due that we needed to do one right so no yeah. happy to come on anytime and uh yeah unfortunately a lot of connections between us two and probably further down the road with the flames guys but we'll see what happens and we will certainly get into all of that uh, as we go through this episode. But like I said, if for those of you that don't know, um, Kyle is also you know my main man when we do live watch-alongs. He did all of them with me during the playoff run last year. He's done several with me this year. He is absolutely phenomenal. He is what makes in many ways uh, THPN go right now. He's doing a phenomenal job. We have well over 100 podcast now on the network i mean he's absolutely killing it with his job and uh i can speak i feel like i could speak for everybody saying uh kyle does a you know you know we we wouldn't be where we are right now without him so kyle, i just wanted to uh you know publicly i know i i thank you all the time um yeah. behind the scenes but i want to publicly thank you for all that you do here at thpn making me tear up here a little bit <laughs> but uh no i'm glad that everything's kind of working out for you guys and uh and everybody else is happy to doing it so you know, this is uh it's a dream. So, you know, we just got to keep running with it. Absolutely. So let's jump in to our episode today. And we are going to start, of course, with the first ever edition of the Hughes Bowls. Last night, the Devils were in Vancouver to take on the Vancouver Canucks in the first ever matchup between all three Hughes brothers. You can see here on YouTube, we have this lovely picture of Jack Quinn and Luke. I love how Jack's the only one smiling. Quinn and Luke don't really. It seems like Quinn and Luke don't really want to do this, but they're being forced to. Also, if you haven't yet, which you should, you can, you can go check out on our socials, uh, Devil State of Mind on Instagram and also Devil State on Twitter. Uh, Luke Hughes was caught on a hot mic dropping a massive f bomb because. Um, the technology for MSG was not working and he wasn't able to do the, uh, the intermission interview. Um, you haven't checked it out yet. Highly recommend. Very funny. And, uh, gotta love the hot mics, right, Kyle? Absolutely. Always do. Always do. I think there was one, uh, I don't know if it was last year or two years ago. It was that ref that called a penalty on someone and he was clearly on a hot mic and it was very clear. Yeah. And, um, I think that was last year, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. I don't know who it was, but yeah, he was there dropping F-bombs too. But yeah, you got a lot. Yeah, in, in any sport, in any sport, football in particular, the NFL, with all the sound, sound um, technology that they use, there's going to be some hot mic that happens. It's, it's really funny when it happens. So I mean, yeah, I think in many ways this game was a, was clearly about the Hughes brothers, but it wasn't just because they were playing against one another. They also lit up the scoreboard as they actually combined for six points in this game. Jack and Luke both had a goal in this one. Quinn added two assists in the third period. And we'll kind of just, you know, in chronological order, go through how this game went. So first and foremost, Eric Halla, who practiced with the team yesterday, 
finally back in the lineup after being injured the last couple of games. Um, and so the Devils, while again, being still without Tomas Nosek and Dougie Hamilton long-term, they are getting healthier with Eric Hall back in the lineup, Timo Meyer playing in his second game back from injury. Um, and then you got the excitement of Shimon Nemich playing in just his second game in the NHL. And uh, we'll talk about him a little bit um, later on in this episode. But to start this game off, both offenses came out flying in the first period as they tallied for six goals. Clearly, Thatcher Demko and, not surprisingly, Vitek Vanacek were not really on their game through the first 20 minutes. Jesper Brack, who got his ninth of the year, Eric Halla, Jack Hughes, as mentioned before, and Michael McLeod with the goals in the first period. And, yeah, it was 4-2 to two after 20 minutes of play, so... I mean, Kyle, was this just one of those things where maybe it was more defensive breakdowns or was it just nerves by any chance because of how big the game was and the hype around it? Or was it just one of those uh, moments where you say that's that's just hockey for you? I think it's just hockey at the end of the day, right? I don't think it's nerves. I think these guys knew this was coming for a while. And, you know, it's not like this is the first time that Jack and Quinn have played each other. So, you know, maybe it's new territory for Luke. But, um, yeah, no, it's just a case of, and, you know, we've done it through watch parties, too, where we've mentioned, like, goaltending has been been primarily an issue, I think, for you guys when in terms of, like, Akira Schmidt and Vanacek not playing to, the, you know, their potential. But um, I, I don't want to say I'm surprised that that's kind of the way that it went, but I think I'm more surprised that maybe Demko just let in that many goals as he did last night, and especially, like you mentioned, in the first period. So I think, if anything, that's more surprising for me on my end, but... Overall, um, it, it's just the way it works sometimes. Sometimes you're, you know, the sticks hot, goaltenders are not, and that's just the way it goes. And that was the first time all year that Thatcher Demko had given up four or more goals. And so I was a little surprised that he wasn't pulled. I thought maybe after giving up that fourth goal and it made it four to one, which great that the Canucks were able to get a goal late in that first period to make it four to two. I thought maybe to kind of shake things up. They would have made a switch. Maybe if it stayed four to one going into the second period, maybe that would have changed it. But he ended up playing the whole game, and I think when you look at it for the next two periods, um, it was a lot better. He was clearly it just got off to a bad start, and uh, ultimately, it, you know, and you know, we'll talk about it more. Um, ultimately, it uh, it certainly hurt the team. But Devils got the only goal in the second period. It made it five to two, and that came courtesy of Luke Hughes, who scored on the power play. And of course, because this is how the hockey gods want it to be, Jack gets the lone assist on the power play goal as uh, both of the Hughes brothers on the Devils find the back of the net. And it's 5-2 to two going into the third period. And I know that a lot of people will say a two-goal lead is the worst in hockey. I argue to say I think it's a three-goal lead, especially if you don't have reliable goaltending. Um, and that's exactly what happened again to Vitek Vanacek. He thoroughly collapsed in the third period as the Canucks scored three unanswered goals and were eventually able to tie the game at five with three and a half minutes to go in this one. And I really felt that the Devils were on their way to completely collapsing and and uh, blowing this game. But Jesper Bratt, who had been quiet for a long period of time, found the back of the net on a rebound, right place at the right time, tapped it in, and gave the Devils the lead back with just 33.2 to go. The Devils held on for dear life and were able to secure the 6-5 to regulation win uh, against the Canucks the second time in a week in which the Devils scored the game-winning goal with just seconds to play. And even though it was a win, and a win is a win, and that's what it's going to look like on the standings, 
it felt like a loss. There was a lot of anger and frustration from Devils fans watching them have a three-goal lead and let it and let you know and squander it. But they still found a way to get the win. They've won four of their last five. But Kyle, I want to get your thoughts, and we've talked about it numerous times. But I want to get your thoughts on Vitek Vanacek. I can speak for myself in saying that I feel that he has zero confidence at this point. He looks so lost out there every game now. And last night was just the latest example of that. But but I want to get your thoughts on uh, Vitek. Do we know what the shots on goal were when he gave up those three goals? It was all, something. It, it was pretty even at 22 up until that point. So it was pretty okay. much. So neither Demko nor VTech were really on their game in this one. Right. I was just going to say, because I was going to probably bring up the, uh, I was just curious to see like how many shots on goal he let in during that kind of duration. But um, yeah, like his confidence has been shot. And I think that's something we talked about. And it's like, okay, well, you want to go back to Akira, but obviously he's had his bad nights too as well. So, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting to see where this team ends up come around the trade deadline time, or maybe they have to start looking and say, we need a goaltender now. Right. Nice. Just like similarly with the, with the Oilers and how they've been starting to do better recently, but with this devil's team, like you're still in the mix, right? You're still in the mix in a very tight division. I think we mentioned it was between like the third seed in the Metro and like the seventh rate seed or whatever it was. And it's like neck and neck. Right. So it's still like right. that early on. And you wonder like, Who's going to be those two or three teams that decide to push away a little bit? And you know, you don't want you don't want to be left behind because all of a sudden you have to make you have to start playing catch up, right? Yeah. So it, it's a matter of when are you going to pull the trigger on this? And I think they know it too at some point, right? You can't expect that this team goes in the playoffs. And one of the reasons why you get so deep in the playoffs anyway in the first place is great goaltending. And a great example of that was last year with Sergei Bobrovsky, right? And in some mm -hmm. cases, in those four or five games it was Alex Lyon too, right? Where it was great right. opening that helped the Panthers kind of get to all the way to the finals. So at, at some point you got to pull the trigger with these guys and you do have assets to, to get rid of too as well. And we'll probably get into it more, but mm -hmm. at some point you got to wonder when are these guys going to make a move to, to upgrade goaltending? Because you know, as Devils fans, if that's a fr as frustrating as nice it gets, you know, it could be a lot worse. You could be sitting here this morning without with loss and blowing a three-goal lead and losing it in overtime or whatever it may be. So you, you got to wonder, like, yeah, the frustration's there, and you have to think that there has to be a move to be made pretty soon. Ryan Novazinski of NJ.com last night kind of answered someone's question via Twitter, and he said, look, as great as the win was and for able to get the win, it shouldn't mask over the fact that VTech gave up five goals and – there are still major issues on the back end, which I don't think there was as many problems uh, defensively as there were just VTech really kind of imploding in that third period. And um, I think that's the way you have to look at it. I think that probably the Devils are constantly looking around the market to see what's available. There are names out there, none of them that are going to completely move the needle to where the Devils want it to be, but could certainly move it a bit and be a better um, situation than where they're at now. And, you know, we talk, I've talked about it several times. There's several names out there. They might be more depending on where teams are once we get close to the deadline. But I wouldn't be surprised if the Devils made a move earlier than that. Um, but nonetheless, you mentioned the standings. Currently, right now, the Devils are sitting tied with the Penguins for sixth place in the Metro. But 
just three points out of the top three with the Flyers at 28. Islanders are at 27. Capitals are at 26. So in the Metropolitan Division, it continues to be very, very tight, which really shouldn't surprise a lot of people. And the Devils are only two points out of a wild card spot with the Islanders having that second spot tied with Tampa Bay at 27 points. So again, it's they're still right in the thick of everything. As much as it feels like they're towards the bottom of the NHL, they're right. still in the thick of everything. And we should mention also, fun fact, Kyle, that if the Devils had blown that lead completely and lost, it would have been the first time in like over like 50 years that we had multiple teams blow three or more goal leads in the same night. The Islanders had a 4-1 to one lead over the San Jose Sharks, and thanks to Tomas Hurdle's hat trick, the Sharks came all the way back, and William Eklund scored the game winner with seconds to go in overtime for the Sharks to come back to win their second road win, and they've won two of their last three. So San Jose's starting to pick it up quite a bit over the last couple of weeks, but uh, luckily the Devils were able to avoid blowing it, and they got the win. And as mentioned before, Again, Devils have won four of the last five. If they had, obviously, we look at if they had beaten San Jose at home, which they should have, we'd be looking at a five-game winning streak right now. But nonetheless, winning four of their last five, they're starting to find different ways to win hockey games, which is important. And they're getting off to a decent start here in the month of December, and hopefully they can continue it here. And again, Jack, Luke, and Quinn, two goals, four assists combined in this one. They certainly made this a must-see game. It was a fun game from a hockey fan perspective. and uh, But most importantly for the Devils, good start to the road trip, and now they'll get ready for a Thursday night, even later start time than the game against Vancouver, 10.30 p.m. start time on ESPN. So it'll be a nationally televised game for everybody to see. Um, should be a good matchup in the prediction that I had for the Cup Final at the beginning of the season, Devils and Kraken, and it's looking oh so great right now. I feel Boy. so... but nonetheless should be a good match and we'll see what the devils can do but uh kyle i want to shift to talking a little bit about your calgary flames not just looking at where they are but also there have been a lot of rumors about guys being moved out of calgary nikita zadorov who we'll talk about in a little bit because i know you had choice words about it <laughs> yep. ago, uh, which if you haven't seen the last live watch along the cloud i did i, I think I'd recommend you go check out the intermission reports because I think that they're very important to listen to. That's all you needed to see, yeah. Right. But um, you look at the Calgary Flames right now at the time of this recording. They are 10, 12, and 3. Pretty similar in standings. Well, not in standings, but just like in points and everything to the Devils. Uh, Fourth in the Pacific Division. Granted, the difference between third and fourth is a lot wider than it is in the Metropolitan (laughs) Division. Currently, the Flames are exactly 10 points behind the Canucks. So I think that top three is going to be fairly the same throughout the rest of the year, unless somebody dramatically drops. And they're 10th in the Western Conference, but they're only four points, four, out of a wild card spot. And they're coming off a 5-2 loss uh, on Tuesday night at home against the Minnesota Wild. And Kyle spoke to uh, me right before we started that. It was a really bad game from the from the Flames. Um, again, just really quickly, that's the first question. Your thoughts on the loss uh, to the Wild uh, on Tuesday night. Yeah, i just seen the reaction this morning. Um, they really let Daniel Lador and Dustin Wolf get hung out to dry from what I've heard. Um, and just kind of seeing the highlights this morning, it was a very like, and Huska too was saying after the game that 
it was a very light performance in terms of this, the physicality and the wild just bullied this team around. Right. And as much as how fast they were and how, um, you know, explosive they've been like on the, on the odd man rushes and the turnovers and all that, it really comes down to the physicality of it. Right. And that's where you are missing a little bit with Sidorov, which is understandable, but at the same time you need to make up for it. And every man just has to step up and, and really try to battle for those pucks in the corners and along the boards, which is ultimately one of the reasons why they lost last night, because they weren't able to win those battles. Hence the wild rave to control it and, and really leave that really leave the goaltenders out to dry that night. So it was, it was a pretty piss poor performance in my books. Um, a team that you really, if you want to try to make the playoffs, you really shouldn't be losing to. Um, but at the same time, like these losses happen. We just saw the Rangers lose last night to the center. So it's hard mm-hmm. these things happen and I get it. But overall, looking at the bigger picture, um, the past couple of games for this team, or even like going forward, um, they mentioned this as death row, right? With It started with Vegas and then went to Dallas and then it was Vancouver. And yes, there's Minnesota, but now even looking forward more, you got the Hurricanes coming up. You got the Devils on Saturday. You got a lot of still really good teams in the next five to six game stretch. And right. it's even more important to see about this team's identity now that Markstrom is out. And now you're going to really get to see what these goaltenders can kind of do for this team in terms of the value for Daniel Vladar and what type of player you're going to see out of Dustin Wolf in the yeah. next couple of games. So I expect Wolf to get a lot more starts. And I expect this team to kind of pull themselves together in these next couple of games and try to figure out who they are before uh, before Christmas break. There were certainly a lot of question marks around the Calgary Flames going into the season. Not really sure exactly where they were going to go. You know, you mentioned they bring in Ryan Huska. They have Craig Conroy now as a GM. Kind of like a new era of Flames hockey. And, uh, you know, there was a lot of questions to, you know, what type of direction do they want to go in, at least, at least for this year. And... Again, they're still right in the thick of everything. So, I mean, it's not it's not any time now to think about, well, the season's over, tanking, or w- whatever you want to look at. But, obviously, the, the Flames have kind of been a little bit of up and down. They've had some really good games. They've had some some bad games, like you saw last night against Minnesota. And you, make, you mentioned Jakob Markstrom, who is a guy that has been rumored to be maybe somebody that gets put on um, the trading block. Well, it might – maybe it changes, maybe it doesn't, as he is out currently week to week – with an injury that he sustained, I think, during morning skate prior to the game yep. against Minnesota, where they said that um, a broken finger of some sort, I believe that's what Kevin oh. Wheat said, and there was blood coming out of his finger. Like, it was like this very, very disturbing description of what yeah. was dealing with, which, uh, you know, obviously you, you wish him, not, you know, a speedy recovery. But now you mentioned Dustin Wolf gets a chance to get a lot of games in. Vladard, another guy that maybe, maybe could be on the trading block for goaltending needing teams. Now he'll get a chance to play a bunch more. So it's a really good period for the Flames to see what they're made of and you know how they get out of this, as you mentioned, this death row. But obviously the Flames uh, have already kind of started with moving on from guys that, quote-unquote, let's just say don't want to be there anymore and are part of uh, you know a different... Um, a different period of Flames hockey. And they started with last week, the deal that everybody expected, but just not the team nor the package that, uh, that they would get as the Calgary Flames traded Nikita Zadorov to the Vancouver Canucks for a 2024 fifth round pick, which the uh, Canucks got from trading uh, Anthony Beauvillier to the Blackhawks and a 2026 third-round pick. And 
you know, we saw, you know, the Devils, we saw Zadorov last night, which, by the way, I think it's pronounced Zadorov. I don't know. I was hearing Zadorov, Zadorov. I don't know. I was hearing different names all night long. Um, pretty quiet night from Zadorov. He did have one big-time hit on um, Curtis Lazar, but, and, and you now have that big-time pairing, the tallest and biggest pairing of defensemen in Tyler Myers, who was a turnover machine, I might add, last night. He was brutal and now you have Zadorov next to him but Kyle you know you can you, you can if you want to curse you can it's fine on this podcast <laughs> I just want to get because some Devils fans may not have heard it because Zadorov was a guy that the Devils were reportedly interested in this was a guy that for for were what the Devils were looking for would have made a lot of sense if the Devils had gone after him um, but obviously that was not the case but I mean your perspective on the Zadorov deal to Vancouver yeah, I think all my rage has kind of like subsided. So yeah, I think you're fine okay for a little bit. Um, but so, but I think it was funny because you reached out um, explaining further. And I think it makes a lot more sense that, you know, Toronto was another team that was very interested on Nikita and obviously the Devils were too. And the issue was after kind of looking back at on it is the, the cap, right? That they didn't want to retain. So because there's a lot of young guys currently in the system right now through the Flames, including... Coronado, uh, just to name one, for example, a lot of other guys that are in the system that want to get their shots solely have got another chance to um, he's a Russian prospect that he's on our, he was in the lineup last night for the wild who played decently well. But anyway, there's a lot of guys that are in the system that want to be able to come up, right. And they want to start figuring out. So I think the big thing for Calgary when they were moving Zadorov at the time was they didn't want to retain any salary. Mind you, it was only three and a half ish million dollars around that, yeah. uh, around that. But yeah, like I think with Zadorov, he he just didn't. It was odd with the way that it phased out at the end of it, right? Like mm -hmm. because it, like it, it was a very sudden. It was very quick. It was we mentioned at the time. Like this is something that they need to take their time to look back on and or excuse me, like even looking forward closer to the deadline to try to get the best package possible. So clearly something was happening in that locker room that they needed to pull the trigger now. Um, and they mentioned it before where maybe he just wasn't really mentally there anymore with this team um but in terms of what vancouver had to offer is they said okay well we're not going to retain any salary it just means that your return is going to be a little bit less and a little bit later on than what we expect right so i know i ranted on the fact that the kid who is going to get eventually drafted by this team if they keep this pick in 2026 is currently in grade 11 right now right and it, you know, so we don't know if that pick's even going to be here come that time and where this team's going to be at. But, mm -hmm. you know, they have that now. And as much as I want to be angry at it, I can understand why they didn't want to retain any salary. But at the same time, even if they only retained about 5 10% of that salary to whoever, if they decided to go the route of Toronto or New Jersey, then it makes – then I'd be okay with that because you'd still have a little bit of wiggle room – to right. bring in guys from your pool, from the AHL, like Coronado and Soliev and so on. So it, it makes a little bit more sense in that regard. Um, yeah. So maybe that's why New Jersey pulled out. Maybe that's why Toronto pulled out and said we didn't want to retain any salary. And this is what they thought the best possible package could have been with Vancouver, and they pulled the trigger on it. I think if I think if uh, Dougie Hamilton, who very well could be out, uh, and maybe put on LTIR because if he does, the Devils then open up well over $9 million in cap. They currently have just over a uh, $1 million in cap space right now. I think if this happened a week later, 
and Zadorov was still on the Flames, I wouldn't have been surprised if the Devils made more of a uh, full-court press on acquiring Zadorov. I think that for the Devils, I, I, like you mentioned, I think it was a salary cap issue. Um, I don't think it was necessarily the Devils weren't willing to give what the Canucks gave up. I just think that they just didn't have a way where the Flames would be happy with the package and the Devils could only take on a certain percentage of the money. They would have had to have moved the player. And I don't think Brendan Smith would have been a guy that the Flames would have been okay with deal- taking. Even if they wanted one of our young prospects, which totally understandable, they're not making enough to make the money work. So I think for the Devils' perspective, I can only speak from the Devils' perspective, I just think the money just wasn't going to work. But if we had already had Dougie Hamilton on LTIR, would have been no problem. We would have taken on the whole contract, and that would have been that. So, um, you know, as much as Devils fans are disappointed, I don't. it's not the end of the world. And the reason I say that is because the Flames still have several other players that could very well be available on the back end that could help the Devils moving forward. And so that's kind of what I wanted to dive into. And there's two in particular. And I brought it up in the last episode, but I want to, with obviously talking to a Flames fan, much you know more personal perspective, I want to get your thoughts first and foremost on Noah Hannafin, who seems to be probably the next likely guy to um, be moved, whether it's now at the deadline or whatever the case may be. Um, Left shooting defenseman, more of an offensive defenseman, I would say, than maybe a defensive guy, but he can still be somewhat reliable in the back end. Um, I want to get your thoughts on if the Devils were to make a move for Noah Hannafin. What would, A, you would want to see the Flames try to get back? And what could Devils fans, what should they expect if the Devils were to acquire Hannafin? So there's a couple of things. Um, Number one is that when they were talking about contract extensions with Hannafin and Lindholm, Hannafin was going to be, they were close to a number around $7.5 million. So you have to take that in perspective, number one. Right. Number two, even recently, is that there are, from our insiders apparently, is that (laughs) they are looking to extend him. So they are looking to try to keep him around. So it's also something to keep in mind. But in in hypothetical terms, let's just say here that he does get dealt. And let's just say he goes to the Devils, for example. um, A package is probably going to be pretty hefty because if that's the current contract talks that we're getting at around $7.5 million, then it's going to be probably a big price right and he's right. going to sign a sign a deal whether it be now or whether it be in free agency that's going to be more longer term at around let's just say seven to eight million dollars so mm-hmm. you're probably looking at a first round pick you're probably looking at maybe a prospect that's not high up in the system but a prospect and it might even be a very late pick like a fifth or even a sixth round pick it might be it might be a very late pick too but i think you have to include a first rounder on the table if they don't want to include a first rounder it's going to come at a price with probably a guy who's ready to go in the nhl already so you know i I guess my question to you back at that would be if they don't want to give up a first round pick who would be the first one to go and who do you be willing to give up for a guy like noah hannifin who wants that kind of money I think based off of what Tom Fitzgerald has done with his trades is that he really likes to try to get guys on term, even if it's a sign and trade. I know that when they wanted Timo Meyer originally, they wanted to trade for him with a contract in hand to be allowed to talk to him, sign a deal, and then 
make the trade happen. Didn't happen that way. And fortunately for us, it's still, you know, we were able to get a deal done in the off season and it worked out anyway. But I think for Noah Hannafin, he would strictly, I think for the devils be somewhat of a rental. And the reason I say that is because you look at the devil's back end, they have Dougie Hamilton long-term who's making, you know, $9 million a year. You have Jonas Siegethaler making, you know, fair amount, 3 million somewhat, you know, a year. So he's not making a lot. John Marino still, you know, decent amount. Um, you got Luke Hughes on his rookie level deal. Next year will be the last year of his deal. Simone Nemich, this is the first year of his entry level contract. So he's still going to be fine. Brendan Smith's contract's coming off the board. So you could, in theory, sign him to a long term deal. The Devils will have well over $20 million in cap space and they'll probably have more considering the salary cap we just got word is going up about $4 million starting next year. Um, but the Devils will also have other things to think about. Tyler Toffoli, former Calgary Flame, you know, are they going to sign him long term? What is his contract going to look like? But I think to answer your question, if the Devils were to make a move to get him and sign him long term, then Seamus Casey out of Michigan is probably the most likely guy that's going off, that's going the other way because he is clearly doing a tremendous job in his second year over at Michigan. He is one of, if not our top prospect right now. Um, Arseni Gritziak from the KHL is another diamond in the rough. I've talked about him numerous times. He could be a guy, depending on who we go after, could be a, a big chipping, a big chip piece. Um, there's some other guys, Lenny Haminaho, um, you know, who's a forward that could could certainly develop um, in a Flames team that is trying to develop players like, obviously, Yegor Sharangovich as well. Um, so that's the way I would look at it. Um, but like you mentioned, even right now, right now, he has a, his cap hit is just under $5 million. The only way the Devils even do this deal is if Dougie Hamilton's on LTIR. Like that is exactly what we're going for. And we don't know if he's going to, if it's going to be in that situation, but depending on his injury, which could take four to six months, if the Devils are unlucky, then yeah, he probably will go in LTIR, but we don't know yet. Um, so we'll have to wait and see on that. Also, it should be mentioned, Noah Hannafin is, in this, uh, has a modified no-trade clause. It is possible that the Devils are on that modified no-trade clause for whatever reason. It's yep. possible. Um, I know when the Devils were interested in Patrick Kane, the Devils were on Patrick Kane's no trade modified no-trade clause. So the Devils couldn't even make a deal for him even if they wanted him because... He's not, we're on that list. So if the Devils are on the Noah Hannafin list, there's not much you can really do about it. You can't really make a move unless he gets persuaded to go. But I think right now, Noah Hannafin, um, he hasn't really talked a whole lot about whether he wants to stay in Calgary or not. So we really don't know what his situation is. Um, but yeah. And to kind of just really quickly touch on that, like Huska's done a great job in just getting the guys to be focused on, on today. Right on right. the present and getting guys like Lynn Holm, Hannafin, Tanev, and all that just to say, look, like this is something we're going to worry about probably closer to the trade deadline now. Now that we've needed to make the moves that were necessary, let's focus on what we need to do as a team going forward. So that's probably why you haven't heard much. For sure. And I would say this that Noah Hannafin is more of an offensive defensive, which would, the Devils already have that. And I think that they're going to be looking for more guys that are a little bit more defensively reliable. And that's where I think the next guy seems to be, in my opinion, the more likely guy that I think the Devils would have higher interest in, and that is um, Tanev. Yeah, Chris Tanev here, also from Calgary, right shooting defenseman, which, again, we're a little bit weak on the right side. So, again, he kind of fits 
and he's a big body guy. He's somewhat, you know, physical, um, but he's defensively responsible. And I think that that's really kind of the thing that Tom Fitzgerald's going to look for. Now, just to say right here, similar to um, Noah Hannafin, first and foremost, he's making about $4.5 million. So again, Devils would have to do a little bit of cap work. And he also has a mod modified no trade clause as well. So again, it's possible that the Devils are on that list and the Devils can't get him even if they wanted to get him. So we'll see. Maybe, I doubt it, but you never know. You never know what list has been thrown out there. And again, for Tanev, his whole contract has been modified no trade clause well before the Devils got good. So it's possible that when he signed the deal, he put the Devils in there when they weren't good and why would he go there kind of thing. So, And, and both of these guys, by the way, are unrestricted free agents at season's end. So that's yep. just something to keep in mind. But I guess, again, I'll ask you the same questions I asked you about Noah Hannafin, is that what can the Devils expect from Tanev if they were to get him? And what what would you want to see or expect in a deal for, for Chris Tanev from whether it's the Devils or basically anybody? Tanev's a bit of a different situation because you have to be careful with guys like him. And especially with – because he's what he's probably close to mid, like mid to late, no, mid to early thirties, probably right. Correct. Yep. Yeah. So he's somebody you have to be careful of because, from Craig Conroy's standpoint, you might be able to get a second rounder and a mid tier prospect, just as an example, right? To get Tanner. Right. The problem with teams is that you have to be careful because with Tanner and what he's been able to do the last couple of seasons, and even this year, for argument's sake, he's done very well. But typically there's got to be a fall off at some point. And he's just a guy that I straight look at and go, I don't know where you're going to be three, four years down the line, two years down the line, even next right. year. Like, all, like who knows where he's going to end up. Mm -hmm. He's just one of those guys where, man, if all of a sudden you throw him into a different system, is he going to be that same type of guy? Is it, is he a type of guy that just works well in this system right now in which he's kind of been there for the last couple of years. He knows what's going on. You know, so to throw him into a whole new system, it it could have a real possibility of hurting another team. So, you know, to my response to that, I think again, like, yeah, I'd probably look anywhere between a second rounder and maybe a mid-tier prospect, but he's just somebody you gotta be very careful of going forward because you know, maybe he is a rental player just like Hannafin. You only want him for that little bit, then that's fine. But in terms of signing his next contract for these teams, you have to be careful with a guy like Tanev and you don't know where he's gonna end up. And you can say that with a lot of guys, but he mm. just feels like that type of guy where you don't know what he's going to be like next year or come these next couple of years, right? And where he's going to be at. He could just fall off like that, right? right. So I, I'd be curious to see where he ends up. That's probably what I would say. And and last thing too is that for the in, in terms of the Devils, you're right. They probably won't make a move until they see Dougie Hamilton get on the LTIR and they're going to free up more cap space and then make a move for guys like Hannafin or Tana, et cetera. But you have to sit there and go, well, where, my, where are my biggest issues, right? And I think the biggest issue, if I'm not mistaken, is probably going to be goaltending, right? That's going to be 100%. your first move, right? Yes. And if you do decide okay. to get, if you do decide to have, if you have a little bit of cap room left, and let's just say, for example, this goaltender that you get is anywhere between 5 and $6 million in the cap hit. Let's just take Markstrom as an example, right? Let's, he's making about $6 million. So if you take that, okay, you got around $3 million to play with, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe that's when you go to Tanev and go, okay, we can take him, but we need you to take about a $1 million of his salary, right? Yeah. And now that Zadorov's gone, 
because they have a little bit more room in cap space and they'll have even more room if you give up about $3 million in cap with Tanev, you know, that's something they might be okay with because then it just frees up more space to bring up more guys like Cornell and all these young guys who've been playing very well for the Wranglers. So, you know, you have to look at priorities first for the Devils. I would more or less look at goaltending. And then if you have that room to get a guy like Tanev, you know, maybe at a lower price because you're able to retain some calories, able to retain some salary, then that might be the right move. Yeah. So that's that's just me speaking in terms of an outsider. But yeah. yeah. No, I think you nailed that on the head. I think the, the priority is going to be goaltending um, because there have been games where the defense wasn't that bad, but, you know, the goaltending just completely fails. Like last night was, I think, a really good example of that where I didn't feel like the Devils defense was bad in terms of turning over the puck or they didn't really give up odd man rushes. I thought that they kind of handled it pretty well. The penalty kill was pretty good. They killed three of the four power plays that the Canucks had. So that was a positive. But, you know, it gets overshadowed by how bad the goaltending was in that game. And so I think for the Devils, I'm sure that that's going to be priority number one. And I think after that, they'll then look to maybe add a veteran defenseman or two, uh, depending on what they want to do and depending on the situation that they're in, and go from there. And, there's and you know, the, the Devils have been mentioned for guys like Jakob Markstrom, which, granted, we, we don't know how long he's truly going to be out. And with his the money he's making right now, yeah, and with the money he's making, again, you would have to bank on Dougie Hamilton going on LTIR to make that work. Because right. it's going to get way complicated if you don't. And then Dan Bladart, he's been okay. I yeah. mean, I, I would say his stats are a tiny bit better than what we got. So that would not be the greatest amount. I think Devils fans are thinking more of guys like Jake Allen as a logical choice. Or for some reason, Elvis Merzlikens now has become uh, an interesting name. But he's got several years left on his contract. So it's not like... Um, it's not like this would be a rental. Same thing with John Gibson. That's a name that's going to pop up. And again, you say Saros is going to be brought up until the Predators sign him long-term. I think that's just going to be the honest truth. Predators are right now kind of even in their win-loss record. So, I mean, it's not like that they're in any rush to make a move. And clearly it sounds like they want to keep Saros long-term. So I guess we'll see what happens with that. But Yeah. I was just going to say real quick, like last point on the goaltending, your real test for this team is not going to be against the Kraken. It's going to be the game after in in Edmonton, I believe. That's going to be a real test for this team in terms of you got Seattle, and then you have um, Calgary on Saturday, and then Edmonton on Sunday. Sorry, and then Edmonton. Okay, thank you. So I, I think really the test is going to be maybe yes, the rest of this road trip. But I'm really circling that Edmonton game, going okay. Your de- defense is a little bit depleted now with no Dougie Hamilton, and depending who you throw in that, excuse me, with Vanacek or Akira Schmidt, whoever it may be. That's going to be a huge test because you got this Oilers team who has played well in the month of November, and they're just they're looking to find ways to get back into that playoff on which they kind of already have. So they might feast on this kind of opportunity, and that's right. a big test for you guys. And it's a high-flying offense. There's no question about it. And uh, you saw it last night. The, the Canucks have a pretty high-flying offense, and they potted five goals. I mean, it was only fortunate that the Devils were able to score six. And I think right now for the Devils, with the goaltending being what it is, this is going to have to be a lot of the games that the Devils have to win. These high-scoring 5-3, to 6-4, to 6-5 to five games. They're just going to have to – until they can get some relief. Because right now, you don't really have a lot of trust in either netminder to – shut the door um, 
you know, completely. Like I, you know, I said, Vanacek was great through 40 minutes. He only gave up two goals. It was five to two. If he shut it down for another third period, you know, we're good. We, we walk away with that win easily, but he imploded. And that was another sign of changes have to be made. And it's not that I'm impatient. I'm just anxious to get a solution, some type of solution and just go from there. Um, and so we'll see. And the rest of this road trip is going to be interesting. This is the longest Devils road trip so far this year. I think it'll be important for the Devils if they can find a way to finish with a winning record, whether that's, you know, three and one, even potentially four and oh, if they get things rolling here. I mean, it would be great to come back to New Jersey on basically a a four game winning streak when you come home to face Boston in the middle of next week. So that's it, it. Obviously, the schedule is not getting easier, but with how tough the month of November is, I think it's important for this Devils team to make December a really good month for them to get back to a level that they're capable of, particularly offensively, and try to you know hold on here as they continue to try to get some fixes on the back end as well as um, in the net. So we shall see. But on that note, that's going to do it for us on this episode of the Devil State of Mind podcast. Kyle, I'm so happy I finally got you on the podcast. This was great, man. Really enjoyed um, you taking the time to join us today. But before I let you go, because I do this with all of my guests, I like to roll out the red carpet and kind of let the folks at home know where they can check you out on social and uh, anything you got going on, you know, particularly here with the Hockey Podcast Network. So the floor is yours, my friend. Yeah, maybe just quickly mention just about like just what we're doing here. Um, You know, since like last September, we've had about 40 shows and now we're at like 108. So it's it's and more is coming along the way. So. Um, you know, it's only getting bigger, um, a lot more events too, as in the coming weeks, actually, our next big one probably is going to be in the world juniors coming up just around the corner. So right. that's a topic of conversation, maybe around the corner. For sure. Um, so yeah, no world juniors are coming up. Obviously winter classic is around the corner and, um, yeah, no, I mean, it's just to kind of making sure that we're all, we're all happy. We're all loving what we're doing so far and, and just kind of keep the trade rolling and keep the consistency up. Right. So that's probably the biggest thing that we're looking for. And um, yeah, it's, it's a big year for us. And um, you know, we got a lot of things down the pipeline that we're hoping that are kind of um, coming into play and trying to get those pieces to fit. But um, overall, I love where we're at and um, I just kind of love, I'd love to see where we're going, uh, going forward. So it's, uh, it's all good here. And I've told a lot of you guys, if you listen to the podcast long enough, that really in many ways we're, we're just getting started. There's so much more that's coming down the pipeline, like Kyle mentioned, and uh, things are just going to get bigger and more exciting here as we continue to try to be this one big, happy hockey family of 108 podcasts. <laughs> and, uh, so many different personalities, but we all love what we do and we're, we're having a great time. But Kyle, again, thank you so much for coming on today and we will definitely have you on the podcast, maybe down the road closer to the deadline if things get interesting but uh, nonetheless man thank you so much for your time today awesome thanks neil appreciate it we'll do this again soon absolutely